This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. show. Recording in progress. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I am here with Mims. How are you? I'm doing great. Today is my, well, okay. So on this aired episode, it's the day after my birthday. Um, but today is actually my birthday and yesterday was yours. So yeah. yay. Special birthday episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and we're doing what we love on our birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are talking about murder. Murder and terribleness. So earlier. Yeah. And earlier I was like, I'm gonna go home and write. And my son said, What are you writing about today? And I said, Murder. And he said, Of course. <laughs> He's like, I'm not surprised. But this is saying like, all right. Do you want me to do the update? Do you want to do your update? Um, you go first. Okay. So, Betty Rolf was murdered in Appleton in 1988. Damn murdered and left near the train tracks on Spencer Street. And they finally found her killer after 30 years. Jean Clarence Meyer, who was 66 been charged with first degree intentional homicide, first degree sexual assault, in connection with her death. Okay. She had been walking to work at the time. I'm not going to go into all the details. Right. Meyer would have only been 22 at the time that he killed her. Wow. I'm liking that we're finding a lot of, um, or we're coming to a lot of cases with um, conclusions now. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to DNA. Thanks to DNA and people's carelessness back in the day, and you know, so it's all panning out now. Yep. So they uploaded his DNA in 2019, and they just. Right. If people kill people and you know, you think you got away with it, you might have another thing coming. Right, yeah. You think it take a few years to come back. People think it's quick, like it was on TV and the crime lab is so far behind. Is it because do you think it's the the caseload or it just takes a long time? It's the caseload and we have a very limited number of employees that do it. Mm-hmm. So they're always shorthanded. And they have a million cases. And there's so many things have to go to the crime lab that we don't think about. Like for every drunk driving case, the blood has to go to the crime lab or the hygiene lab to get tested. And just pretty much every single case has evidence going to the crime lab. Yeah. 
That is true. That's something that we don't really think about. So yeah, I always think about it being like big things like DNA and rape kits and right. Right. Clothing, but it's all these mundane things. Even if you like get caught with weed and you were like, no, it wasn't weed. Now they had to send it to the crime lab. Mm, They're like, true. It was oregano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Total sense. Okay. All right. What so do you got for us? there was the um so I just covered the Matthew Byer case. Um he was as of today convicted of two counts of first degree intentional homicide for killing his five-year-old son. If you guys don't remember, that was William and three-year-old daughter Danielle. Um, this happened at the Kakana uh, duplex. Um and as you and I were talking about it before, um, you know, there was, he tried to pin it on somebody else and it was actually a relative, um, or he tried to say that he was, um, sleepwalking, which is a really bad defense in my eyes. My favorite. <laughs> I love the sleepwalking defense. Right. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's only happened like one time where it was kind of like almost the jury almost was like okay I I can see it I forget which case it was but it was like this guy killed two random people or something like that I forget I forget Mm. Um, I have seen people sleepwalk and get drunk driving cases they really were sleeping crazy they were taking Ambien oh okay well they didn't know because when your brain kind of shuts off and goes into that mode you just do what you're used to doing so they like ran to the gas station to get cigarettes (laughs) (laughs) and then they came home and then they didn't know that they had been somewhere oh my i'd be so freaked out oh my god that is scary yeah yeah so i have experienced many blackouts and during those experiences I truly do not remember even to this day I don't remember and when people would tell me like oh you did this or you said that and I can't remember any of that that was like one part embarrassing and another part just like baffling and like scary because it's like I was on autopilot so that's just Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good description of it yeah don't like that no I used to sleepwalk um I don't think I do anymore but I would do boring things I would like make myself food in the microwave I was pregnant I was sleepwalking (laughs) all the time when I was pregnant I was eating I was like why am I getting so fat (laughs) (laughs) you're like self-sabotaging yourself (laughs) friends were over one time and they're like yeah, you get up and make food in your sleep. Like that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most that I experience is Jake and he just sleep talks. And he I says like the, the craziest things. Like one, I like really rem- remember this. He was saying, they're so small. And I like, I like to interact with him just to see like what he's <laughs> talking about. And I'm right. like, what's so small? And he's like, the dog's in the box. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> that was like the best one. about puppies. <laughs> yeah. 
I and then the next morning I'm like so which dogs were you sleep or were you dreaming about and he's like I have no idea what you're talking about I'm like <laughs> yeah my youngest talks in his sleep too and I love to try to have That's a conversation with him. yeah yeah I like to I like to be sneaky with Jake, even though I know he's not ever up to any good. I'm just like, well, who is she? And like, just to see if I could catch him in something. Not that I would, but just and he's to, just dreaming fun. about puppies in a box. Yeah, <laughs> they're so small. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's so cute. Okay, <laughs> enough dilly dallying. You are up. I think. Yay! Yeah, you're up. Okay, today I am telling the story of the disappearance of Victoria Lynn. This last name is going to be hard for me. Krokopovitz. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. It's going to be Victoria from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> and my sources today are The Charlie Project, The Green Bay Gazette, WeAreGreenBay.com, and CCAP, of course. Victoria was last seen in her home on the 5100 block of Kunish Road in Pittsfield, Wisconsin, which is in Brown County. And her husband, James, said when he went to bed that night at 10 o'clock that Victoria was there. She said she was just going to have a cup of coffee before bed. Who does that? Oh, wow. That's intense. Red flag right there. Why are you drinking (laughs) coffee before bed? Yeah. (laughs) And then he said he woke up at 4 a.m. and she was gone. So he says, well, he gets up and he searches around the area and he doesn't see her anywhere. So he goes to work. And then he gets home from work and she still wasn't there. So he called the police and reported her missing. Okay. The police found that she had left most of her things behind the only thing that was missing was her medication. She had left behind her purse, her identification, her money, her dentures, her cigarettes, her cell phone. No, women don't do that. No. I barely go. I don't leave my room without my phone. No. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And my purse, like if I'm leaving the house, my purse is coming with me. Yeah, I don't ever leave the house without my purse. hmm so if anybody ever sees my phone at my house and I'm not here, I was definitely kidnapped. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Me and my phone are separated. Yeah. <laughs> There's foul yep. play. <laughs> yep. Same for you. Yes. All right. So she also did not have a car. Oh, okay. And she didn't, she hadn't driven in years. These are a lot of red flags saw all of the red flags Mm -hmm. and there's no evidence that anyone had picked her up what kind of evidence would that be though like how do you have evidence I'm guessing like somebody coming forward and saying like oh yeah I picked her up at this time or maybe extra tire tracks or I really don't know what they mean by that yeah An extensive search of the area around the home was conducted and there was no sign of her. Didn't find her anywhere. And she has not been heard from since that night when her husband said she was drinking coffee at 10 p.m. Right. 
But her husband, James, was quick to remind everyone that she had previously tried to commit suicide twice. And, of course, that's what had happened this time as well. Because why would there be anything else going on? And I feel like you don't, people don't often commit, not that it doesn't happen, but people don't often commit suicide outside of the home. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a very good point. Because he, in his story, breezed by the fact that her suicide attempts had been over 10 years before this, and both had taken place inside of the home. And I feel like that's just kind of rude to throw her under the bus like that. Like, well, she might have just killed herself. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you just know she killed herself. Well, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, that's just like putting her on blast, and I don't like that. No, I don't like it at all. I don't like him. Yeah, me neither. And neither did Victoria's family. Okay. Because they had been suspicious of him since soon after she was missing. They said he refused to participate in any of the numerous searches that they did for her, saying that she's dead and she's not coming back. Oh, that's very definitive, sir. You can't be saying that stuff and not look suspicious, sir. Very, very suspicious. Oof. And the police thought so, too. In 2015, they finally got a warrant and came to search Victoria's home and all the other buildings that were on the property. And during this search, they seized multiple items, including photos, seven computers. Why they have seven computers, I don't know. Ooh. hard drives, a cell phone, financial documents, a roll of tape, and other miscellaneous items. And during this search, they also found blood evidence in multiple locations in the house, including the bedroom, hallway, and kitchen. Ooh, 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 ooh. Mm-hmm. And at the time of the search, James and Victoria's son, which would have been James' stepson, still lived at the house. Okay. And in case we don't hate James enough already, let's talk some more about him. Just a month after Victoria disappeared, he began dating another woman. Mm, no. Oh, this is like the case of red flags. Like, just throw them up every yeah, second. All of them. Yeah. Every second. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my gosh. And this woman was named Catherine Friday. And again, everyone found this to be incredibly suspicious because how do you start dating in a normal breakup? People generally don't start dating the first month, let alone when your, like, long-term wife is missing. She could be a hostage somewhere. Right, right. Like, you, a normal person would grieve a breakup, and he's not even Mm -hmm. grieving his wife, his missing wife, and he has a whole-ass girlfriend now. Yeah. Even if he thought she killed herself, you'd think he would still grieve that for more than a month. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be like, what did what what is happening with my life? Like all of a sudden I'm out a husband, you know, for speaking for myself. I'd yeah. be very upset. Yeah. Very upset. It's ridiculous. Well, everyone agreed it was ridiculous. And in 2019, the pair was finally arrested. Oh, the pair. Okay. The pair, yeah. James was charged with a first-degree intentional homicide, domestic abuse, perjury, and resisting or obstructing an officer, and Catherine was charged with perjury and obstruction. Okay. 
earlier on the day that the two were arrested, they had given sworn testimony at a John Doe hearing. So if you guys don't know what that is, that is a proceeding in Wisconsin, which is intended as an independent investigatory tool to ascertain whether a crime has been committed and if so, by whom. So it's basically just an investigation, but they can do different things that they can't do normally, like subpoena witnesses to come in and testify in court. Mm, Okay. So it just gives them some extra tools. And then the goal is to allow the judge to determine whether it appears that probable cause exists to show that a crime has been committed. Okay. And whether to file charges then. It's supposed to be designed to protect innocent citizens from getting prosecuted when there's not enough evidence which is but good. in this case it also helped them get additional charges against these lying liars <laughs> <laughs> during their testimony the couple admitted that they had lied to the police for years about when they had met each other oh james said he was concerned what people would think about him entering into a new relationship so soon after victoria went missing So he and Catherine agreed to lie about it. That's the other part I wasn't thinking of. So they were in a relationship a month after she disappeared. So when did they meet? Mm -hmm. Or did they just go immediately into a relationship? I feel like there was overlap. It takes me longer than that to go on a freaking date. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Yes. So I don't know what kind of relationship train they're on but they're moving very fast well you know there's a lot of people that move very quickly like I've heard people like I moved in after two weeks and I'm like excuse me you don't even know like this person's blood type at two weeks like what are you doing you know yeah just there's you don't know this person (laughs) oh my god I don't know it's gonna take me more than two weeks to have a phone conversation (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just to move from texting to actually speaking. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And uh, of course, this is not the only lie that they told police. The police said they lied to them on numerous occasions. James had lied when he said he went to look for Victoria after he realized she was missing because he told them he had checked a nearby gas station. And they got the security footage, which proved that he had never went there. Mm-hmm. He also said that he had called Victoria on the way home from work on the day she disappeared because he wants to act like, oh, yeah, I'm sure she's just at home. To ask her what she was making for dinner. But the call records show she never received any calls from him. Yeah, a bunch of lying liars. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then after his arrest, he stated, here, I killed her. Kathy had nothing to do with it. I don't know how I killed her. I didn't. So I can't tell you how. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. He said I killed her and I didn't kill her all in one sentence. (laughs) He, He admitted to it. Then he didn't admit to it. And then he had no recollection of doing <laughs> it. So that's very yeah. confusing. Mm-hmm. He said that him and Catherine had lied in an effort to keep their story straight. No, that's not good. That doesn't look no. good at all. 
But then he changed his story again and again denied having killed his wife. He's an idiot. Mm -hmm. Adding to the suspicion, James had access to a sludge pond, which is full of industrial waste, which Ooh. is gross that we have these yeah. in Wisconsin. But it's located right on the route between his home and his job. Mm, oh no I don't like that no and he was asked about the pond at the John Doe hearing and he said I think if a body was put into the sludge ponds it would never be found I know that as I saw what happened to the deer that went in there the deer yeah he then denied putting Victoria's body into the pond and the pond is too hazardous for anyone to search I feel like people shouldn't have access to these types of ponds. Like that's just too, no. that's just too easy for people then. Yeah. Can we just push people in there? I mean, not me. But <laughs> not, I don't want to push people in there. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Nobody should be but, pushing anybody in these ponds. I mean, I don't know. I'm like imagining Batman or something. Pushing <laughs> <laughs> people into like hazardous ponds and they just okay, maybe they felt yeah <laughs> yeah that's but why would you say that like oh if she wasn't there you'll never find her but i didn't put her in there he says all the wrong things he does he's terrible mm -hmm. and the people who knew victoria and james said that their marriage was up and down one person even described their marriage as abusive. And Victoria had even told her healthcare provider that her marriage was in trouble. Oh. So now I'm like, no wonder she's suicidal. She's married to a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's not blaming her. Yeah. Like a controlling fucking asshole. Yeah, I don't like that. No. And he also benefited monetarily from his wife's disappearance mm -mm. so he has like every single box you can check new girlfriend he yep. gained money from it he worked somewhere where he could make people disappear yep yep every box he's checking it yeah mm -hmm. and so when they went to court Catherine was released on bond pending trial but James was held without bail. Good. In July of 2019, Catherine ended up charged with bail jumping because one of her bail conditions prohibited her from communicating with James. Mm. But they were allegedly passing verbal messages to each other through her sister. Oh. If I was her sister, I would not want her talking to this lying murderer. Right. I'm not passing yeah. messages for you. Mm -mm, no. You need to stay away from him. Yes. Yeah. If you're implicated in a murder, I am staying as far away from you as possible. Mm hmm. Exactly. July of 2020 Catherine went to court and she had taken a plea agreement so she pled no contest to perjury since 
conspiracy to commit perjury and obstruction, and then they dropped that bail jumping charge. She was supposed to proceed to sentencing. However, in November of 2020, Catherine committed suicide at the age of 68. Wow. I did not see that coming. No. Wow. James really does not have a good effect on women. Clearly. Green no. James trial in February of 2021 had two of his friendly inmates testify against him. One of them said that James stated no one would ever be able to identify Victoria because there would be no blood or teeth with her body. Oh. Yeah, he says all the worst things. Yeah, he does. Ooh. And I'm not a big fan of jailhouse informants generally because they lie a lot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he probably said that. And I feel like that's kind of in line with what he alluded to before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that does make sense. Yeah. And during the trial, Victoria's psychiatrist also testified. And he said he had been treating her for the last five years. And he did not believe that she was suicidal at the time of her disappearance. Ooh, that is a mic drop. He also stated that Victoria told him that James was controlling and he wouldn't even let her go see a doctor. Ooh, gosh. Yeah. And then James' ex-wife also testified saying he had been abusive to her and he had threatened her and her daughter. Ugh, gosh. I hate that these men do this. I hate that. I know, because how many of these stories are there that I just keep finding? So many, so many. They're just like, yeah, he was abusive to his previous wife and all his girlfriends, and then he couldn't go to the store without having him called 50 times, and it's like, why? Why are these men out here? We should push them in the phone. That's an idea. Theoretically, not really. Theoretically speaking. We're not not advocating for murder. Metaphorically speaking, we're not, you know. Right. (laughs) Additionally, uh, Victoria's son, Wesley, testified. And he said that Victoria and James had gotten in an argument on the day of her disappearance over a tablecloth. Ooh, ooh, that's not good. When you're in a bad relationship, you can get in an argument about fucking anything. anything. I swear. Yep. Anything. I've been there. Yep. Yeah. And it's just the dumbest thing. Like, how do you argue over a tablecloth? I've argued over sunglasses. So I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been there too, but it's just totally so dumb. It. Yeah. It is super dumb. Yeah. And later in the day, Wesley had left and then he came back home and he said James told him mom's gone and when Wesley said what do you mean and James said I woke up and she's not here Hmm. but he just said it like so matter-of-factly like she's gone right yeah 
And Victoria's daughter testified that James seemed much more interested in moving on with his life than in making any effort to find Victoria. And that he quickly dropped Victoria from his medical insurance policy after her disappearance. Oh, gosh. It says, like, people do things that show that they know the person is gone. Right. Yep. That's such definitive actions. Yeah. And then James' defense did not call any witnesses. His attorney argued that the prosecution had failed to prove its case beyond a reasonable doubt. This is my least favorite defense. I would much rather you go with a sleepwalking defense than to just be like, well, the prosecution didn't do their job. No, you didn't do your job because you didn't put on a defense. Even though I think this guy's an asshole. Like, that's the best you could come up with? That is not good at all. I would not be happy with my defense attorney. No, we need alternative suspects, new stories, something. Just like a a redirect and how I'm being portrayed or, you know, anything but that. Yeah. Find somebody that makes James not look like an asshole. It's got to be somebody that likes him. (laughs) Call somebody. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully his mom is on his side. (laughs) She might not be. Maybe there was no one to call. Right. Everyone hates him. Well, the jury did not buy this defense either. They found James guilty on all counts. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole for the homicide charge, three months for obstructing, and three years prison and three years extended supervision for each count of perjury before the court. Wow. Good. He still has never admitted to Victoria's murder or told anyone where her body is. He originally said he was going to appeal, like he filed a notice of intent to appeal. And then it looks like he tried to get a public defender and they said he don't qualify. And I don't know if he just decided he didn't want to pay an attorney for an appeal because he has no grounds for an appeal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his appeals ended there. And Vic- Victoria's daughter, Marsha Loritz, founded a nonprofit organization called Wisconsin Missing Persons Advocacy Inc. that assists families that have missing persons. Yeah. That's pretty cool for yeah absolutely. I use that network a lot to look up information on cases. Yep. Actually my case is that's one of the the sources that I got mine from. So that is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So that is the story of Victoria. Wow. Hopefully, at least like before he dies, he can just admit what happened, where she is. He's seven. He was 78. So he might be 80 now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're already serving. what happened. Yeah, exactly. You're not getting out. You're going to die. That was an amazing case to cover. So thanks for bringing that forward and on our platform because that was wow that was intense (laughs) yeah most of the time I'm like oh you know I kind of waver like they maybe I was just like this guy's an asshole (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I totally agree with you okay are you ready I don't know (laughs) 
I, what are you going to do to me today? <laughs> I'm always doing the worst to you. This is like a, a you story. So it's up your alley. Okay. Um, okay. So this is a story of Kelly Aileen O'Brien Krieger. I got my sources from Box6NowMadison.com, The Charlie Project, and Wisconsin's Missing Persons Advocacy, Inc. Okay. So Carrie was married to Tracy Krieger in 1989. They lived in the 200 block of North Perkins Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin with their three-year-old daughter. Um, Just a little, you know, American type family. Real cute. She was adorable looking. She had like a little pixie type of haircut. Very cute. Um, she was employed in the public relations department of Gander Mountain near Wilmot, Wisconsin at that time. And for those of you who don't know what Gander Mountain is, it's kind of like a Cabela's, like an outdoor world type of store. So on December 5th, 1989, at around 5 p.m., Kelly was 32 at this time and she um, was at home and she turned to her husband and she told him she needed to travel to Wyoming for a trade show the following morning for Gander Mountain. So this was pretty out of the blue spur of the moment. She was already at home. It's not like she called him from work and said, Hey, something came up and whatever. So yeah. um, So Carrie reportedly said that she was replacing a coworker who could not make the trip. Then her husband, Tracy, and Carrie's parents reported her missing to the police on December 7th. So that's two days after she had left for the trade show. Um, so Tracy told police that Carrie received a phone call from work asking her to attend the trade show beginning the next morning for a coworker who was unable to attend. So she packed a suitcase and left at 4.30 a.m. to drive to Chicago um, O'Hare Airport. But he also stated that she and another coworker were going on the same flight to Wyoming together. So Hmm. kind of conflicting because... He, she's going to replace somebody, but then she's going with a coworker. So that just kind of doesn't make sense. Um, but no, it seems a little odd. Right. It all just seems kind of like out of the blue. Mm-hmm. A neighbor did tell authorities that she saw an unidentified black car parked outside the, the Krieger's residence at around 4.30 a.m., and they suspected a man to be in the driver's seat, but the neighbor went back to bed and did not witness anyone go into the car or that the car left or anything like that. So it's just the car was there. There was a man who was sitting in the driver's side and it was a black car. That's all. I love a nosy neighbor. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Get all the deets. <laughs> yes. Like I just woke up at 430 and there was this car and there was a man. And I don't know why a man in a car was, she has a husband. Why was there a man in a car in the driveway? <laughs> Very suspicious. I don't know about <laughs> this. <laughs> 
So one strange and important thing about this case is that Carrie's supervisor reported that there was no trade shows scheduled and no employees, including Carrie, were scheduled to attend any trade shows at that time. Hmm. So were trade shows something that she had done before? That's a great question. So I'm going to get into that in just a second. So let me just elaborate on that particular piece of that. So one of Carrie's co-workers called Tracy, the husband, while he was at work later the, on the, the day of the, the trade show. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the employee was saying, hey, Kelly isn't here at work. I'm wondering where she's at because it's really unlike her for her to not show up for work. So like no call, no show. It was just not in her character. And she was a really dependable employee. So mm-hmm. she, the, the coworker called and was like, where is she at? So that's just another red flag of nobody knows what she's doing. There is this mysterious trade show that nobody knows about. Hmm. So Gander Mountain did not have any employees scheduled to attend out of town trade shows and the Wyoming trip did not exist, period. Hmm. Here is another weird fact about this case. Tracy often asked for time off from his own employer to stay home and care for their daughter while Carrie traveled on business. So she was attending uh, like trade shows apparently out of state. So he would have to go home and take care of their kid. But after looking into it, Carrie only had one business trip for Gander Mountain and that took place in 1987 two years prior to her disappearance okay so friends reported that Carrie was often surprised when they asked about her recent business related trips as she rarely left Burlington so her husband behind the scenes was always asking to go, you know, off to go take care of their kid because she was not going to be home, but she never left the home to begin with. She was always there. Oh, so he was just making these trips out to stay home. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Or she was making, but I mean, if she didn't know about it, otherwise she was making up trips so she could do something else. It could be, yeah, it could be that, but then she would be very surprised when like her friends would be like, oh, how was your business trip? She'd be like, what do you mean? I didn't go anywhere. So then I think that if she was making that up, she would keep the lie going with her inner circle. Yeah. Well, he's telling her friends that she's going out of town and then she's not. Yeah. He's, he's going around saying, oh, she's not here. I had to go home, blah, blah, blah. And then they would ask her how was your business trip? And she would be like, what are you talking about? That's so weird. That'd be like if Jake was like, oh, Fallon, Mims is going to be gone next week. She's going out of town. And then I'd be like, how was your trip? You'd be like, I didn't go anywhere. I'd be like, why the fuck did Jake tell me you were gone? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's just not a lot of things are adding up, making sense in this. No, it's very strange. And I know you're probably wondering, okay, should we look at the husband? Is he somehow related to this disappearance? 
Well, let me first preface this next part by saying that Tracy Krieger has never been named as a suspect in Carrie's case. Never. Okay. So everything However, is alleged. Alleged. <laughs> <laughs> However, authorities learned from friends and relatives that the couple had a troubled marriage and Carrie apparently told a friend she was considering divorce if the relationship did not improve quickly. So kind mm. of along the lines of your story almost <laughs> weird <laughs> but there was no indications of abuse in the marriage so I'm just gonna throw that out there okay. um, investigators believe that either Carrie or Tracy lied about the supposed Wyoming trade show so either she made it up to leave or he made it up to cover something up mm. <clears throat> go both so ways she might yeah. have wanted a sneaky link. <laughs> right. Another red herring in this case is she was a former journalist and once wrote a story revolving around changing identities. Just, just a weird tidbit. Just a random, weird, random fact about her. That's yeah. interesting, though. Yeah, I thought so, too. Since Carrie left for the supposed business trip, she had not been seen or heard from since. Nothing. Like, she mm -hmm. just vanished. No one is certain if Carrie left of her own accord or if foul play was involved, but she did leave behind her three-year-old daughter, and her family is adamant that she would have never left her daughter willingly. Like, she was right. just a dedicated mother. <clears throat> like I stated before, her husband has never been named or charged with anything, but the Krieger's residence was searched um, regardless of that, just for any clues, anything that could bring them any, any further into the case, but no evidence related right. to Carrie's case was discovered. So it's just kind of even more mystery with yeah. finding nothing, you know? However, several of her relatives joined the search and said that she left many of her personal belongings behind in the house, which may have raised some eyebrows, kind of along mm -hmm. the lines of what your story was, you know, just things that a normal person would bring on a trip if they were going out, yeah. but nothing was specified. So I can't disclose on like what it was. Um, okay. But yeah, I definitely think you could tell, like if I go on a trip, you're going to be able to tell my things are missing. Right. Like toothbrush, uh, yeah. hairbrush, just like anything that's yeah. like, um, yeah, like makeup and a flat iron and, you yeah. know, all the stuff is going to be gone. Right. Additionally, Tracy was given a polygraph test in January of 1990 and the results were inconclusive. He was scheduled to take another test soon after, but he canceled it due to a reoccurring severe gastrointestinal illness. Tracy then mm -hmm. suffered a stroke that affected his memory and he couldn't remember anything of his adult life. So it's just like, oh, damn. Yeah, it took a, a weird turn. For this the is a really weird case. It really is. So Due to his health problems, he never took the second polygraph test. So that just never amounted to anything. So at the time of her disappearance, apparently she had some underlying ailments. Carrie was suffering from an undiagnosed illness, which resulted in stomach pains, nausea, 
vomiting, diarrhea, and weight loss, but that has not been stated to be in correlation to her, her disappearance. It's just another fact of her life that could be somewhat related. I don't know, but just throwing that out there since it's okay. you know, concerns her. One last weird thing associated with this case, investigators discovered that Carrie and Tracy were associated with a man who was convicted of kidnapping and murder in the 1960s. So mm. just another weird thing. Unfortunately, nothing came of this possible lead. However, it was never established that the individual in question was connected to Carrie's case regardless so nothing was said after that just like you know it's kind of weird that they knew this guy yeah so she has been classified as an endangered missing person and I'm going to go over her description so she is a Caucasian woman with brown hair and hazel eyes she is five foot four inches and 125 pounds Carrie has a slight gap between her upper front teeth and freckles on her face and she has a mole on the back of her left shoulder and a small chicken pox scar between her eyebrows her ears are pierced and she has eyeglasses with large frames and lenses and gold earpieces and she was last seen leaving the house with a london fog coat so last week, Tuesday, was the 33rd anniversary of Kelly Aileen O'Brien Krieger's missing case, and she would be 64 years old today. Um, there, They did do a, like a sketch of what she would look like today. Um, I don't know if it's entirely helpful, but it is out there. Okay. Um, so the racing... County Sheriff's Office investigators have not given up and still wish to speak with anyone who knew Kelly when she was living in Burlington in the 1980s. They have, you know, tried to revamp this case, even though it's 33 years old. It, they don't, they still want to close it. They don't want it to be a cold case forever. They still encourage people to come forward. So if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Carrie, you are urged to contact investigator Tommy Sherritt at phone number 262-886-8493 or email Tommy Sherritt at, at racingcounty.com. Um, anyone with information but wishing to remain an anonymous can contact Crime Stoppers of Racine County by phone, which is 262 Six three six nine three three zero or eight 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 six three six nine three three zero, and I'm gonna have all that contact information in the show notes as well. Okay. And that is the story of well, the missing case of Kelly Aileen O'Brien Krieger. Great job. That's a yeah. That's a perplexing one. It truly is, just because of the the different things that that could come out of it like there's just different branches from this case that could lead somewhere that had hasn't led anywhere and it's just so interesting yeah because if her husband is being honest and she did say she was going to a trade show right. she could have been going to meet somebody else that killed her right yeah and he 
you know, he wouldn't have been any help. Right. Like he or could flip the other way where he is, you know, involved, but now mm-hmm. he will never be able to give any information off of it because he has suffered illnesses that basically erase his memory. So that's right. just so crazy to me. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. It's weird that the lies about the trade shows were going on before this too. Yeah, I also found that. And like the difficulties in their marriage, not that, you know, not every marriage has its problems, but mm-hmm. to the to the point where she was telling her friends, like, if things don't get better, I'm just going to like split. Like, that's just, I don't know. I never like hearing that. And then yeah. it being a missing persons case. I just, it's never right. good. No, it's not. Not good at all. Right. Well, I think we were both kind of on the same wavelength when we, we were doing this. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. Except for we don't know what happened to your person. True. Yep. That's a first. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. You're well, bringing us mysteries. I know. <laughs> Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we Thank love you guys, guys for listening. Yeah, we love you guys. All I've right. been appreciating people reaching out more, messaging yes. us, even we if we love- can't talk about what they say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We love the engagement, yeah. even if we can't Definitely. post it. So, yeah. All Definitely. Right. All right. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.